I do thank the Lord for his blessings. It's uh, exciting to be a part of a church of God's blessing. And I uh, don't take lightly God's good hand and what he's doing. And uh, it's a great joy to be here. And um, I am excited about today. I told uh, Brother Joey and I were on the phone yesterday evening. I told him, I said, boy, Saturday's been good. I can only imagine what Sunday has in store. And, uh, and Sunday has proven already just to be a great day. And I thank the Lord for that. I thank him for his days. Kids, I want to tell you in public in front of everybody, you did a tremendous job singing for the Lord. And I appreciate that so very much. And, uh, but I'm excited to be here. And um, as we look into this day, uh, the bus ministry is a wonderful thing. And, uh, and that's coming from somebody who uh, struggled with it at one time before, before here. And um, it is absolutely a wonderful thing. But above that, the God of the bus ministry is a great God. And He is greater and mightier than anything we do. Um, any activity, any program is the God of heaven. And so we begin our view of any ministry with the Lord. We want our focus right. We begin it with the Lord and His will, what He would have us do. When we started the bus ministry, I would go get in the bus number one now. That's exciting to have to number the buses because there's two different buses. Bus number one, I'd go get in it and I'd drive the route, pray and ask God, where do you want a route birthed at? And I would do that week after week and just ask God to... And He would begin to put places in my heart. And, and, uh, and so we always, sometimes we just have to stop and get our cardinal directions again and remember our purpose. Remember what we're all about. And because uh, we get busy in serving. I know I'm guilty of it sometimes. And get our eyes on the mechanics and the, the property instead of the people. And uh, so I want to preach this morning on Bible time bus ministry. Bible time bus ministry. And uh, you can go ahead and find your place in Acts chapter 3. See, when something exciting is going on, it is so easy to say, sign me up. I want to be a part of that. It's easy when things are pumping and hopping and, and uh, coming in with 30, 400 of us. It's exciting. And it is to say, sign me up. And it's easy to see somebody get some recognition and say, I'd like to get that. I'd like to be a part of that. And it's very easy to want to sign up, but it's a whole another thing to go week after week after week after week. And it is those weeks after week after week is how what makes this thing function. And it's the people that are committed to that. I'm going to share a story. JT, our first bus kid that uh, came to church, and as best as we can recollect, he was the first one to be saved here under the ministry of Salt Rock Baptist Church via, through the bus ministry. We spent months at his house waiting for him to come on the van when he first did. And he rode the van with Max for months here at the church. I'm sitting on the front pew with me and Miss Sarah. And it's through that, those times, those committed times when God rewards you. And we'll get more into that in just a moment. But I want to basically, today's message, I want it to be some principles for the bus ministry. And it is principles for that, but I believe it's principles for any ministry that we can apply in many ways. So if you look there in Acts chapter 3, we'll stand to our feet for the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. He gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ 
of Nazareth rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement that which had happened unto him. And as a lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. I'm going to ask my friend Brother Ronnie if he would pray for us. Amen. You can be seated. I want to challenge the current workers in the bus ministry to be reminded of the first weeks that we would ride out and we would read the verse that says, that they may know that this is thy hand, that thou, Lord, hast done it. I want to remind you, I want you to be reminded tonight of some basic focuses as we serve God in His ministry. And then I want to help those that are maybe interested in serving in God's ministry to understand some principles that will help us. Bible time bus ministry. Number one, the first principle we must understand is the bus ministry is a part of the local church. If you'll look there in Acts chapter 2, we didn't read it, but we're going to read it now. Acts 2, 46, and they continuing daily with, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. <clears throat> Before we ever get into chapter 3, we have the church established. We have the church established there at the end of Acts chapter 2, and the bus ministry is a part of the local Bible-believing church. The bus ministry gains its identity from the church, and the church gains its identity from Christ. We gain our identity not as an isolated ministry of the church. We are a part of the church. It's an extension. It's an arm of outreach for the local church. It's not a place that we come to get our own agenda. It's not a place we come to get our own ideas and to run our own ministry. As a bus captain, we're expected to hold the standards of Solid Rock Baptist Church. As a bus worker, we're expected to hold the standards of Solid Rock Baptist Church. Because we are an extension. We are a part of the local Baptist Church. We, uh, we can never identify ourselves without identifying the church. We never identify ourselves without identifying the church. One of the things we did when we got the new bus ready, we cleaned it up. And we already had the decals ready before we ever had the bus. Brother Scott and I and Brother Michael, we spent time cutting the letters out and getting them ready. And we had those ready. So what's important about that? Well, it's important because we want to identify with Solid Rock Baptist Church. And so as we run into the neighborhoods, people can recognize and realize this church cares about their family. It's not just any church. It's Solid Rock Baptist Church cares for them. 
And so when these children see that bus pull up, they know that this church loves them. I ask the kids about every Sunday almost, I'll say, kids, what's the best church? Solid Rock Baptist Church. The greatest church in the whole world. And they get a privilege to ride a church bus and come here. So we identify with the local church. It has our pastor's name on the side of it. Because he made us. I'm just kidding. He did not. (laughs) It has Pastor Jerry Steins there beside the door as they load. Say, well, what does that matter? It's not man worship. It's with confidence that I can go out and the workers can go out into the community and say, we have a man of God that's been at the church 25 years. Hey, we can put his name on the bus because he's going to be here. We have a man of God that can help your family if you'll let him. So we're a part of the local church. The first principle of the bus ministry is we are a part of Solid Rock Baptist Church. We We belong and identify with Solid Rock Baptist Church. Number two. The second principle we must understand about the bus ministry, we must be faithful. We must be faithful. We look at verse number 1 of chapter 3 with me again. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. These men were committed to an hour of prayer. It was too specific for it to just be a random prayer time. It was the ninth hour and it was the hour of prayer. That meant that wasn't their first time meeting that hour to pray. There was a certain amount of faithfulness that Peter and John had as they headed towards the temple. They were faithful. We must likewise be committed to the ministry God places us in. Whether it's bus ministry, whether it's patch club, whether it's TNT, we must identify and be faithful. We must be faithful. See, these men that day, had they not went to pray, they probably wouldn't have met the lame man. Something about that day, they met that man. See, the way you gain a heart for something is by investing in it. Some of us invest money. Some of us invest time. But that's the way you get a heart for it. You want a heart for your local church, you serve in it. Those that cling to church come in with a little different attitude because they've served. They have a, a certain amount of attachment to what God's doing. They've been a part of the business of God. So you spend time praying for it. You understand that when you're faithful, you invest so much time, you're not apt to give up. Because you turn around and say, I've already invested this much time, I'm not giving up on that one. And say, when you're faithful, you get your stories. You know, I love, I hear men preach and they tell a story. And Brother Mike Ray is full of stories and he shared them at at Youth Congress. And he made a statement, he said, the way you get stories is you go sowing. You get stories by going out. I'm going to just share a few stories with you. One Sunday morning we were picking up and at some, a very faithful rider's home. And as they were getting ready to come out, the last one coming out, she's about to come out the door and I watched her turn and go back in. And here's what she did. There's a table and she went back, got her Bible, and she headed to church. I wouldn't have got that if I had quit six months ago. I got the blessing of watching a young girl get a heart for the Word of God that she wouldn't even leave it at home. Wouldn't that put some of us to shame the way we run out without God's Word? I remember Sundays that we would leave here expecting to pick up so-and-so and so-and-so and and we'd be signing kids up left and right on on that Sunday morning, having to get off and get permission slips. And that's the Sundays we're late usually. 
I remember JT when he got baptized. You know, I wouldn't have gotten that story if I hadn't went by week after week. I said, JT, you want to jump on the trampoline? You want to, you want to play? And I'd ask for week after week. He'd say, you want to come to church? And finally, I stopped asking. I said, I'm just going to go play with him. And so we go by on Saturdays, and I get on the trampoline. One day we was jumping on the trampoline, he looked at me and he said, I'm coming to church in the morning. Amen. And guess what? He came. Amen. He came. You get your stories when you're faithful. See, you don't get the blessings of certain messages if you're not here. These kids need somebody, whether in Pads Club, wherever, the, the next generation needs somebody that's committed to stand their ground. So that way, whatever your ministry calls for, whether you're Pads Club Wednesday night or Saturday we're going to bus calling, so that way those bus kids don't have to look at me and say, we're so-and-so. You know, that's one of the hardest things I've dealt with in the growing bus ministries. I had to do that with a group of kids. They'd ask, where's so-and-so? What do you tell them? We need faithful people. Bus kids, I want to remind you of something. The man that got help, the lame man, he was laid there daily. If you want help, you be on the bus every Sunday. Be on the bus. Be faithful. That's how you'll get your help. This church will be in its place. If you'll be in your place, kids, and we'll help you. The people we serve in the ministry must see stability and consistency from us. They have to. They have to. Whether they're 2 or whether they're 25 or 40, they need stability. Acts 3.3, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms. I want to help you with something. Notice what that said. Seeing Peter and John, that man saw them. Would you stop excusing yourself and say, nobody will notice. Somebody is watching. The Sunday morning that you decide whatever is more important than Jesus Christ, whatever, not the church, Jesus. The Sunday that you decide that the bus route is not important anymore, the Sunday you decide the Sunday school class doesn't matter anymore, they won't notice. Somebody can fill my place. Is the Sunday that somebody's outside the gate waiting for you to help them up. Amen. It's that Sunday. Maybe next Sunday. But the only way you'll know is you have to be there every Sunday. We'll let the kids participate in junior church sometimes in an activity or... I want to help, I want to help. And some of them will get a little disappointed when they don't get the help because you pick. And they'll, they'll hang their head. And I'll look at them and say, you need to be here every week. The more you're here, the greater chance you have of getting to participate. Right, kids? All right. We must be faithful. They will notice when we're not here. Number three, uh, we must be a team. We must be a team. Acts 3.1. Now, Peter and John went up together. Together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Once you notice they were together. They were together. Not Peter and John went up mad at each other sideways. Together. Together. And I tell the workers all the time, if we work in the ministry long enough together, there will be times we'll get on each other's nerves. But the key is we keep him the focus. They were together. We go out two by two. We do our very best to always have two at a door. Together. Something about God and togetherness, unity. One of the greatest blessings in the ministry is working with your wife. Teamwork. You can't beat it. Teamwork. There's something about a husband and wife team that is absolutely remarkable. And I would rather serve God with this woman here than anybody else. 
because we're a team. God made us one flesh. That's the best team you can have right there as a husband and wife with a heart united together in serving Jesus Christ. So we must be a team. Again, we go back to the fact, not our own identity, not getting our own agenda and our own plan, being a part of the local church and being on the team. You see, everybody makes it happen. When the bus ministry first started, and I didn't know how this would work, but I've always had the thing, I just want to do it all. And so I was trying to figure out how I could drive the bus, how I could captain the bus, direct the whole bus ministry, serve the snacks, and do all of it, and then come teach their Sunday school classes. I wanted to do it all. But as time, you realize very quickly, it takes a whole lot more than just one. It's an impossibility for me to drive the bus, captain the bus, direct the whole ministry, and then teach their classes. Impossibility. Sunday school teachers, that a, a row of bus kids come in, you're a part of what God's doing. The workers that come and escort the kids in, it's part of it. The ladies that take roll on the bus to make sure all the kids are here so in the afternoons we can head home and know that everybody's on the bus. It's all part of it. The people that go out and visit, they're out on Saturdays. It's all a part of it. Everybody takes everybody making it happen. The thing about teamwork, we all have one goal. You're playing a game of football, you want the football in the end zone. You're playing basketball, you want it in the, in the hoop. Baseball, you want to run. And, and you don't get that by not being a team. We all know when one person thinks they've got the ball, they'll take care of it, that's when the, the team falls. And so our common goal is not a, getting a ball somewhere specific. Our common goal is Jesus Christ. Our common goal is Calvary. And so we all do a part to make it happen, but we have to be a team. No one job is more important than the rest. It all comes and works to get people to Calvary. And that's the goal. See, when you're... So what's so important about a team? Well, a team encourages one another. There's times that I've not always wanted to go out and visit Saturdays. So are you allowed to say that? I guess. You know, there's some Saturdays that it's been a, a try. It's been we have to go on purpose. There's some Sunday mornings you wake up and you're like, oh, again, and it's work. That's where that commitment comes in. But you know what? It's encouraging when you know there's a group of people meeting you here, Amen. and you're going to get up and you're going to go together. So you come in a little discouraged. Generally, by the time you get done, you're encouraged. I think the Bible says something about that when it says not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, but exhorting one another. And so that kind of happens when you work in the ministry with a team. We can be encouraged. We can borrow the faith of our fellow teammates when we're together, when we serve God together. I wonder, what if John that day was sitting at home and wasn't going to go pray, but Peter came by and said, Hey, John, let's go pray. Now, the Bible doesn't say that, but I've, John and Peter were human too. And what if John, the only reason John came and got to witness the miracle was because Peter said, it's time to go pray. Come on. And there's something. It's a little harder to quit when you know you've got people waiting on you on the bus and you've got kids waiting on you. Because we're all a team. We make it all happen with the help of God. Being on a team prevents us from getting our own identity. And always, always keep in mind, Solid Rock Baptist Church and Jesus Christ. Number four. The fourth principle we we learned, we must be willing to slow down. We must be willing to slow down. Acts chapter 3, verse 3. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. These men were on a mission. If there's anybody guilty 
of flying by sometimes and forgetting that you're looking at them. One track mind, get where I'm going. And, but these men, their mission was to get in the temple to pray, but they stopped. They slowed down. And I realize we live in a fast-paced society. I realize everything is hurry, hurry, hurry. I realize that our work demands more of us than ever before. And I understand all of that. I don't belittle that. But I realize this too. How important is God in your life? I asked one time an individual about serving God. and It was either through a paper thing or verbal. And the statement was made something similar to this. Well, I want to, but I'm just so busy and have so much on my plate, I just can't. And I just want to be very kind and as gracious as I can. If you're too busy for God, you're too busy. If you're too busy for the God of heaven that saved your soul, that's taken you to heaven, you are too busy. Something needs to come off your plate so you can get God back where He belongs. Because God deserves our very best. God doesn't deserve when we have a little bit of time. So many times we'll tell somebody the schedule. I just don't see how you do it week after week. The preacher, the way he pastors a church, people make a stuff. I've never seen a man pastor that way. I don't know how he pastors the way he does. I'll tell you how he pastors and how we run the bus route and the bus moves the way that looks impossible. We've decided that's import, as important to us and ministering the lives of people as important as whatever you're doing. So we've done, we, we've both done the same things. It's just you've chosen something else to occupy your time and to dedicate your life to. That's it. We're all busy, but we all have to determine what's important to us. So I'm, I want to help you with just a moment. You must, you're going to have to figure out and probably make some very tough decisions. It may require you letting go of something that you say, oh, I really enjoy this. I do have a question. Is what you're investing your time in, is it impacting eternity? Are the, are the trips, are the get-togethers, are, is all of that going to matter in eternity? I just happen to believe that these kids singing, them coming to church, is going to matter in eternity. I just have to believe that. I have to believe when Jesus says, suffer the little children to come, they held a special place in His heart. And so I believe we need to make a difference in eternity. We need to slow down our personal life so we can live a life for God. We can make out. We can, we can all make out to say, well, the people here and there need Jesus. And let me explain what I mean. Well, what I'm doing, there's a group of people that need Jesus. Whether you're, you're selling out the Lord's Day to go practice a ball game or wh- whatever you do, and you say, well, I'm going to on vacation, but I'm going to be passing out tracts. We can all justify that and then try to use that as an excuse to miss the house of God, but it doesn't get away from the principle of being faithful to the house of God. It doesn't get away from the principle of being faithful to God Himself. Jesus was about people. He wasn't about a program, an activity, or a get-together. He was about people. And we're flying by people to start the next program. We're flying by people to get the next activity started. They used to get on to us in college. We'd go out and knock doors on our bus route. And they'd tell you, you're walking by somebody on the sidewalk to go knock on the door that nobody answers. Why didn't you witness to them? We must see people because that's what Jesus saw. 
many times, many times. And the workers can vouch for this. There have been Saturdays we've had an activity here at the church or, or, or for some reason we've tweaked the schedule, whatnot. And I made them that. I said, we got together. I said, we're going to go today. We're going to move quickly. We'll stop by every home. We'll see every kid and we'll head out so we can get back here in time. And most of the time, God blows that out of the water. That's the day God decides to sign people up. That's the day that God decides to say, let me take back control. Let me slow, slow down so you don't miss who you miss, who you're about to miss, I should say. And so we must slow down. Number five, we must be willing to lend a hand. We must be willing to lend a hand. Verse number seven, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now this says his right hand. So maybe he was a right-handed man. But I want to take this approach of saying, we need some right hands. We need some right hands. You know, we need some right hands that on a Sunday morning, your hands picked up the Word of God sometime through the week when you stand to teach. We need some right hands that have come by and have lifted a hand in worship to Jesus sometime that week. We need some right hands that a child can come and say, tell me how to know Jesus. Tell me about that salvation thing you were talking about. We need some right hands so we can lead them to the cross of Calvary. And we're we're trying to work with bad hands, wrong hands. There's a reason God said, took them by the right hand. We need some right hands in our service to God. We need to be willing to lend a hand. So you don't find this man didn't need somebody come by and say, well, you deserved it. You got what you asked for. No, he needed somebody that would bend down and love him and lend him a hand. He didn't need a scolding and a kicking. He didn't need somebody to walk by and say, I feel sorry for you. He needed somebody that was willing to give him a hand. A hand that gives strength. That honors God through the week. So that we, you and I, can be that hand of strength for somebody. Somebody. We're so quick to criticize and say, well, they made their bed, they got to lay in it. Instead of with graciousness and compassion, saying, can I help you? And then I realize there's some people that don't want help. I understand that. But I'm talking about the ones that genuinely desire help. We went to Walmart this one evening this week, and we got out, it was dark, and there was a man, and, you, and some of you may have been at Walmart at this time, a man sitting on the top of his truck playing a guitar, singing a song, and had a bucket out on the tailgate. My first fleshly person was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and as I walked, walked past, had some money in my wallet, I went by, took a track out, and I said, come visit sometime. You know why? I don't know what he's doing. He may have a wife at home that he's doing everything he can to provide for And so instead of the critical side of saying, well, whatever you did to get there, you deserve it. How about a hand that says, can I help you? Can I help you? We've got to be willing to lend a hand. Got to be willing to lend a hand. Then number six, we must be willing to love and be loved. We must be willing to love and be loved. Look there at Acts chapter 3 verse 11. And as the lame man which was healed held... Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. This is a celebration taking place. I don't believe that the lame man was holding her hand. I believe he had Peter and John in his arms. I believe 
He loved him. And I have to believe that Peter and John loved him because they took the time to slow down for him. They loved him. He hugged Peter. If we are going to serve others for Christ, get ready to love and be loved. You cannot serve in any ministry in any capacity without loving somebody and them loving back. So what does that mean? That means sometimes they'll hurt you. And that's sometimes why you and I hold back. We're afraid to love because we're tired of being hurt. But we can't stop there. We were visiting one Saturday. We rode by one of the boys' house that had been riding since the beginning. Empty. Dropped him off Sunday before. Saturday he's gone. The only person that would recognize that I was heavy from that was my wife. And she told me. Because I had a whole other bus route that I had to go love. So I couldn't stop there. And so we can't allow the hurt to hurt us in the ministry so we don't continue to serve God. So we must will, be willing to be loved and to love. These kids will love you unconditionally, and you and I owe them the same. Number seven, we must understand it is not about a bus. I wonder how many started, when I started a message, Bible time bus ministry, how many said, where did he find an international bus in the Bible? I didn't. That's just the point. It's not about a bus. It's not about the bus. It's not about the mechanic. It's about the kids that ride the bus. It's about the families that's been saved. It's about the ten souls or more that have been saved as a, as a result of this bus ministry. You see, we celebrate today God's blessing. But the real celebration is not the blessing of the bus. It's the blessing of the people that can get to church now because of it. It's the blessing of the Great Commission. I often, many times I'll cut out of here on Saturdays and I'll yell, let's go reach the world. And people will chuckle and they'll laugh. But I'm serious when I say I'm leaving here Saturday at 4 o'clock to go reach the world because I'm going to reach my part of the world. And I truly believe the Great Commission, Mark 16, 15, He said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're not going to fill a bus. We're not going to fill a bus. That's the deception of the bus ministry before that I misunderstood and why I struggled with it. My goal is not to fill a bus. My goal is to get people to Jesus. That must be our goal, the Great Commission. This is a tool and an instrument to get folks under the preaching of the gospel. Number eight, we must understand it is not about a number, it's about one. It's not about a number, it's about one. This one man's life was changed because of the ministry of Peter and John. One man. I believe God allows us to use numbers so like this morning we can say, man, God had 34 on the bus today so you and I can be excited. It gives us and our human conception because we can't really understand the work of the heart and what God's doing. I believe God allows us that privilege so we can see His blessing. But the real blessing is like last Sunday night when a young man met with me and Elijah in the back Sunday school room and asked the Lord to come into his heart. That's the real blessing. And a young man this morning asking his Sunday school teacher about being saved. That's the goal. That's the blessing. It's not the bus. It's the people. It's getting them to Jesus. It's getting their heart turned towards Christ before the world gets it. That's the blessing. It's not about a number. It's about the one. Those of you that invested money, whether pennies or hundreds or thousands, thank you. It's worth the one soul. One. If one soul misses hell, what price tag could we put on that? One. But I praise God, there's been about ten here. And most of them have been baptized. See, Jesus 
so many times was interested in one. The lady at the well, or the woman with the issue of blood, Zacchaeus, the one. The one. It's not about a number. And I praise God we came with 34 on the bus today. Hallelujah. Praise His name. If we come with 12 next week, I'm going to be excited for the one that Jesus wants to speak to that week. I never want us to get discouraged by how many didn't ride the bus. I want us to be encouraged by all those getting to heaven. Because what's going to happen, we're going to get so consumed with filling buses, they're going to ride the church bus to hell. They'll ride it straight to a devil's hell, never come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And what, what would purpose was? We must keep in mind heaven. And then lastly, and most important, most important, we must know Jesus. Look there, verse 6. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. We must have Jesus. I say this for last because it is the most important. It is the most important. We have policies, we have procedures, we have standards, but the most important thing we have is Jesus. And without Him, we can't do nothing. I want you to notice the Scripture, though. And I'm not going to tell you this is important, but I found it interesting. Verses 1 through 11. If you'll take the words before Jesus Christ, there's 114 words. If you will take the words after Jesus Christ, there's 118 words. Four words difference. Jesus Christ is smack dab in the middle of what's going on in John and Peter's ministry. He was a centerpiece. Jesus Christ was the center of what they were doing. And we must always keep our focus on the fact that we need Jesus. So I think sometimes we get afraid that we're not going to be able to say the right thing, do the right thing, have the right personality. And I want to tell you, it's not about a personality. It's not about charisma. It's not about none of that. It's about, do you know Jesus? When they come around you, do you know Jesus? I'm talking about, yes, sir, being saved. Knowing Him as your Savior. But I'm talking about a personal walk. A Jesus that goes with you Monday through Friday, not in just on Sunday. Jesus that when they really are hurting, when they're lame. You understand the reason we have to have Jesus, you and I can't help all their hurts. I want you to notice the man we're talking about was lame from his mother's womb. He didn't break both legs last week. He's been this way, he's a grown man, and he's been this way since birth. This is a deep-rooted problem. The only way that Peter and John could help that man up was to say the name of Jesus. Because there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And the tragedy is we try in our arm of flesh to accomplish everything. And I can tell you now that does not work because we tried it. Me and Miss Sarah tried over in Longview to do it on our own. It does not work. But when God is in the middle of it, it works. And it works beautifully. You don't have to work at it. I mean, it's work, but it's not laborsome trying to do it by yourself. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. That's pretty clear. So what that tells me is that without Jesus, I can't direct a bus ministry the right way. What that tells me is Brother Scott can't captain a bus route without Jesus. What that tells me is that you bus workers can't be a bus worker the right way that would honor Jesus without Jesus. That tells me there's nothing I can do in life that if I don't have Jesus, it's not going to be right. I have to have Him if it's going to work. Without me, you can do nothing. That left very little room 
the great thing is, the great thing about that right there, we can do nothing without Christ. When we do abide in Christ, we can expect much fruit. When we abide in Christ, we can expect much, much fruit. The, the God of the lame man, that Peter and John, looked at him and said, the name of Jesus. That's the same God that Daniel in the lion's den knew. That's the same God that the Hebrew children, when they said, let it be known, our God's able, but if He chooses not to, we're not going to bow. It's the same God of everybody in the Bible, a David that stood before Goliath and said, you come with me with a sword, a sword and a shield and I come with you in the name of the Lord. That same God. That's the God we're talking about. We must, we must know Jesus. We need Jesus because this world needs Jesus. Amen. You know what? Not only would that message work for bus ministry, that works for church. That works for all of us.